0: Well, good morning everyone. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church in beautiful Powell River, British Columbia. And for those of you that are uh, maybe new with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're hanging out with us this morning. And if you are not from Powell River, uh, you should really, when all of this is done and everything is lifted, you should consider coming and hanging out with us because, oh, what a beautiful place. Beautiful place to camp and hike and If you love the outdoors, come join us sometime. It's just, you won't regret it. But if you're part of our church family and you're joining us, we do have a small announcement to make. We are looking at doing a soft launch, a relaunch in the summertime. It's going to be limited capacity, uh, limited services, but we are going to do a few throughout the summer. But in order to do that, you may have already seen, we released uh, a bit of a statement earlier this week. We need a team that would consider, prayerfully consider joining together in community to make those gatherings happen. And so if you're still humming and hawing, let me just encourage you. We would love to have you a part of that team. And so we have two training nights. June 22nd which is a Monday night at 7 o'clock and June 24th and if you visit myevangel.church forward slash relaunch you can sign up for one of those you only need to come to one they will be the exact same meeting just duplicated so we can deal with numbers and all of that but if you are interested in being a part of the relaunch team we're talking ushers and, and hospitality we're talking people that help with cleaning between services. Uh, All the pieces that we need in order to do this safely and wisely, uh, would you consider being a part of it? So you visit myevangel.church forward slash relaunch and we are looking so forward to seeing you guys in person again. Well, today, we are jumping back into our series. We took a bit of a moment away from it last week, but we are in a series called Hebrews, The Supremacy and the Sufficiency of Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me now right to Hebrews chapter 6. We're jumping into Hebrews chapter 6. And if you've never been there before, man, is it a, it's a difficult kind of moment um, I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit tired of a controversy. Uh, it feels—it feels like we live in a world of controversy and tension, and unfortunately, today is not going to be any different. We're going to be reading a bit of a hard moment. Uh, what has been maybe even a controversial moment in Scripture, and so. I hope that you can kind of just make this moment count for your life, and I hope that we're we're hoping to bring hope through this, and uh, you'll get what I'm getting at in in, in just a second as we read and dive into our text today. So if you do have your Bibles, let's let's just take a thoughtful journey through some of the hard sayings that the writer of Hebrews writes to his audience. So Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to start verses 1 to 8. So let me know. Give me a thumbs up uh, if if you're there. If you got that in front of you as far as your Bible, just give me a like and we will jump in. Verse 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and this we will do if God permits. Remember um, Hebrews five twelve. The writer points out that the audience is still drinking uh, milk and not eating solid food. He kind of uses an analogy to kind of politely tell his audience that they are still babies. Um, That's a really polite way of saying they're babies. And then now he goes on here to say that you can't just lay the foundations of faith over and over again. At some point, you need to make the decision to mature in Jesus, to move on from the foundations, not leaving them behind, but building upon them, maturing into the next level of your faith journey and if you remember Pastor Marcus uh, a few weeks ago, he, he kind of spoke to this. When it comes to faith and, and so many things in life, if you're not progressing, you're regressing. If you're not progressing, you're regressing. And, and he spoke of the gym, and I can totally kind of echo those sentiments. When, when you stop working out, um, you don't just stay. If you, if you take six weeks away, like we did in the last little bit, You don't just stay where you were. You don't just get back to the gym and and just pick up where you left off. No, if you're not progressing, you're regressing. And so by the time you get back, you have to start back here again and work your way to where you were and then beyond. The same is true of faith. But now the writer of Hebrews, he's taking this idea even a step further. If you just train in the foundations over and over and over and over and over again, you will regress as well. And I'm gonna make that connection for you in a moment as we kind of delve into this. But if, if you're not careful, you can very well allow your heart to become hard over time. L- let, me, let me put it this way. Your body is an amazing thing. God created this body, this, this flesh and blood Uh, in such an amazing way. And it's amazing at adapting and optimizing. So to kind of use that analogy and continue that analogy of working out, when you work out in a particular way, you can get amazing results. If you have a particular program that you follow, you can get amazing results. But here's the deal. At some point, those results get slower and slower and slower and if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again there comes to a point where you plateau and then from that plateau you even begin to regress because then you start getting injury repetitive motion injuries different joint injuries but your body adapts to that exercise routine the key is to throw something different at your body. The key is not just to say in the same routine, in the same place, over and over and over again. It's to experience new things, to discipline yourself, to walk in new ways of fitness, and your body will respond and adapt and optimize to those new things. In a lot of ways, the writer of Hebrews is saying the same thing here. Unless you move on, like establish those foundations, but unless you move on from them and build upon them, you're just not going to mature. You're going to just stay in the same cycles. You're going to plateau to a certain point, and that's going to be your spiritual life. And so the writer of Hebrews, he really is exhorting and trying to convince his audience that you need to move on. Uh, William Barclay is interesting. Uh, he writes this of Oliver Cromwell. And he says this there can be no standing still in the Christian life. It is told that on his pocket Bible, the Lord Protector of England, Oliver Cromwell, had a motto, motto written in Latin. Now, excuse my Latin, but it said this "Qui caset es melur, cassette es bonus, which means he who ceases to be better ceases to be good he who ceases to be better ceases to be good so what are these foundations that he speaks to well the first is repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and this is speaking of maybe some of the frictions in the first century that the church had when it came to their understanding of Jesus fulfilling the law and the prophets on our behalf. You see, you can't work your way to salvation. You know, the law existed to reveal to humanity that they couldn't fulfill the law. They couldn't live up to that standard of holiness. So the law reflected the holiness of God, and by extension, Humanity, when comparing themselves against that law, just couldn't stack up. And that was the point of the law. The point of the law was to reveal the sin and the brokenness of humanity to humanity through the people of Israel. And so in the first century, there's this moment where people are arguing about whether or not they should still walk in kind of key components of the law in order to be a Christian. Uh, One of those was circumcision. That was a big deal in the first century. Uh, That uh, outward mark of being a Jew began to translate into that needed to be there for being a Christian. And of course, the early church finally said, no, that's not the case. Uh, Jesus fulfilled the law and he extends salvation. So we can't work. Nothing that we do earns our salvation. So this is foundational. This is a foundation of the Christian faith. The second thing he talks about is the instruction about washings. Now, this one's a little bit harder to dissect and we aren't given much context beyond the statement that we read here. And it would seem as though the writer um, didn't think that they needed to give much context. So, uh, just the estimation is that as he or she wrote this moment, uh, they understood that the audience would just automatically understand what they're referencing. Now, us in the 21st century, we have a little bit of a harder time kind of trying to nail down what exactly is being referenced here. Now, some scholars believe that this is referencing uh, to water baptism, and it's in the plural form. I don't know if you noticed that, you know, about washings, it's plural. Um, and, and because it's referring to the baptism of repentance that John the Baptist brought and then the baptism that Jesus uh, brought. And so, two different baptisms. And so, basically the foundational teaching here is you no longer need that that baptism of repentance was a one-time kind of seasonal deal. That was a moment when God was preparing the way for Jesus life and ministry on earth. Baptism of repentance. Now that has been replaced by a baptism of water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as an outward sign, a public and outward sign that you are now inwardly a believer in Jesus and have given your life to them. So that is kind of best case scenario as far as us kind of digging in and going, okay, what exactly is the writer talking about there? The third is laying on of hands. The laying on of hands. Uh, And this speaks to a number of things. It was through uh, the laying on of hands that the apostles prayed that others would receive the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the laying on of hands was associated to uh, uh, the blessing of family, fathers to their sons and, and their children. Uh, also uh, kingship and, and um, establishing and ordaining. And in the New Testament, we see that as well, the ordination to ministry. But it's, it's also likely that he's referring to the ceremonial laying of hands when it came to the temple structure and so during the time of sacrifice in the temple there was a goat where the priests would lay their hands on the goat and it was symbolic of the sins of the people being placed on that goat and this is where we actually get the term scapegoat and so that goat would be released out into the wilderness to kind of just be out of the camp and gone and that comes from Leviticus 16:21 to 22 and it says and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions all their sins and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness the goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to remove an area, and he shall let go the goat to go free in the wilderness. And of course, um, this is just a reminder that the laying on of hands was a was a type and a shadow of Jesus and his work and his function uh, on the work, you know, the work of the cross and and the sins of the world being laid upon him. And so this moment is kind of foundational; it's kind of kind of multifaceted, and would have been maybe even. Understood in its nuance a little bit better in the first century. But those are just a few little pieces around the laying on of hands. The, the fourth is, is resurrection of the dead. And, and the bodily resurrection of Jesus was and is an essential, it's an essential pillar to the Christian faith. Without Jesus' resurrection, there's no forgiveness of sins and his work would be incomplete. That's just the truth. If, if the resurrection didn't happen, if there was no such thing as the resurrection of the body, there would be no forgiveness of sins. But this also speaks to the resurrection of the believer in Jesus. That, that blessed hope that we have, that foundational blessed hope that when Jesus came into our lives, he made us new in Christ Jesus. And we have that future hope of being raised again. Not just in like a, an ethereal spirit kind of form, but actually in spirit. Sp- body, soul, and spirit, resurrected body. And so it speaks to that. One day we will be with God in body, soul, and spirit. And then the next is eternal judgment. And I'm sorry I'm rushing through this because we're getting to some other kind of big key pieces as well in our passages today. Eternal judgment. The teaching of scripture tells us that each of us will be judged as we enter eternity by a God who is faithful and just. A God who is both faithful and just. Two judgments will take place. And the first is the judgment of all believers. What did you do with this new life that Jesus called you into? Did you mature? Did you grow in faith? Or did you squander the gift? And this is kind of a this is kind of a tension moment for the believer to begin to Think about and evaluate how I'm spending my life. What my priorities are. What is that going to look like when I stand before Christ who gave his life so I could have this life. So that's the the first judgment. The second judgment is the judgment of those who reject the work of Christ in this life. And it's one that leaves them separated from God. Separated from God from all eternity. And this has become a bit of an important distinction in the, in the Christian faith as of late in particular. Uh, many teach what is, what, is, what is called universalism. It's become a very popular doctrine um, in today's world because nobody wants to talk about heaven and hell. Nobody wants to talk about eternity with God and eternity separated from Him. It's a hard topic. I don't want to talk about it. I, I, I don't like the concept. It, it it kind of grates me. There's a tension in this. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. This is a holy God. A just God. And, and eternity, eternity, eternal judgment is a part of the foundations of this Christian faith. It can't be taken away. It can't be changed or tweaked because God has set up. This way, and and part of it is because God is holy. God can't have unrighteousness in His presence. He just can't. It goes against His very nature. And that's why Jesus came to give us opportunity to, through Him, become righteous so we could be in His presence. That's the whole point of Jesus coming. And so we can't shy away from this idea and this foundation of eternal judgment. Matthew 25 31 to 46. Um, if you want to just go and read that, that gives you some foundations from the mouth of Jesus as it pertains to this. So, it, I mean, it's a hard saying. I'm not going to lie, guys. It's a hard saying as you hear Jesus kind of talk about eternity in this way. But it's not for us to judge that because God is judge. God is the righteous judge. He's holy. He's perfect. He's just. And so eternal judgment It's a part of our foundation. Has to be part of our foundation. Now notice the switch, or, or what seems to be a bit of an abrupt switch now, into verse four. Uh, we, we can't allow ourselves um, to, to just make a switch. Like it's so easy to read this and I almost read Kate and we get to this point, and now he's like onto a new thought, a separate thing, a separate thought. And that's not the case. These two things and what's been before. The idea of them not maturing and still being on milk and should be eating solid food. That analogy, that that kind of analogy and metaphor that he's going to build up to this moment. Talking about the foundations. And now he's going to switch and talk about the consequences. Those who should know the foundations of faith and not be relearning them over and over again. So we can't allow ourselves to make a switch here. The context is those who are still drinking milk and should be on solid food. Those who should know the foundations of faith and not be relearning them over and over again. So now the writer writes this. It's one of the hardest sayings in the New Testament. He writes this in verse 4. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened... For land that has drunk the the, the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. Now, if that doesn't create some tension in you, then you need to check your pulse because you got some health issues. Um, That's a hard saying. That is a very hard saying. And the writer is bringing this hard saying, and and it's meant to create attention. It's meant to get our attention. If, If you don't progress in your faith, you have the potential to regress to a place where your heart becomes hard towards the things of God. If you're not progressing, you're regressing. And the author's making this point over and over and over again through his letter to the Hebrews. He's saying this over and over and he's getting our attention with this moment. It's culminating to this moment. If you're not progressing, you're regressing. If you just stay at the foundations of faith and not moving on into deeper things, into greater, not just knowledge, but knowing God, and knowing the Son, and knowing the Spirit, and growing into your understanding of the Word of God, there's potential to regress to a place where you ultimately reject Jesus in this life. Now, this is where we get into the the controversy that I had mentioned a little bit. There's a number of ways that this passage has been interpreted. And and as I was writing this sermon, I really wanted to kind of dig into this in a more meaningful way, in a more thoughtful um, way. It, It would have required so much time though, because I would have had to have delved into some complexities, some serious complexities, and those complexities would have led to other complexities. Because the questions answered here open up a whole other set of questions over here. And so if you are interested in maybe talking a little bit more or hearing a little bit more about uh, concepts like once saved, always saved, uh, can you lose your salvation, that uh, kind of those kind of questions. Let us know in the comments if that, that would interest you. Um, that would be a whole different video. And so we're actually thinking that maybe we'll do a panel, uh, us as a pastoral staff, and kind of delve into that a little bit. So let us know. Let us know if that interests you. But for now, here's the deal here's the big takeaway for us today. This passage of scripture should cause tension in your life. Now now keep in mind the context. The context is an audience that has not matured beyond the basics of the Christian faith. That's the context. And now the author says this. So in other words, whatever way you come at this verse, whether it's Calvinist or Arminianist or somewhere centrist in between, you can all agree, all sides can agree that this moment is a warning. This moment is a warning, something to be heated and thoughtfully considered. Are you progressing in your faith journey? Now, now keep in mind that this warning is coming from a place of love, okay? And, and you need to hear the tone of this warning. So often when we hear warnings, or we hear uh, judgmental language, or we hear language of consequences, uh, we kind of put it through a filter, right? We kind of get our backs up. We put our defenses up. Anytime somebody talks about consequences or judgment or we we kind of take it through a tone that's maybe less ideal than it's been given. I want you just to maybe take a moment to think about the writer and their motivation. Their motivation is love, friends. The motivation of the Spirit inspiring the Word of God is love, that we would understand, that we would know God, that we would walk in the truth. And so hear it in that tone. Don't just turn off now. Hear it in that tone, a tone of love, a tone of someone that wants to see believers maturing and not regressing to a place where they potentially walk away from this faith they've had in Jesus Christ. Um, the Shanghai Tower, I was doing a little research on foundations and towers because I thought it would fit. And I was looking into the Shanghai Tower, and I'll put a picture up here. But much of the work, you know, it's a well-engineered superstructure. Um, but here's here's a picture. I'll just put it right here, a picture of the foundation. This is the foundation. Now, what's interesting about the uh, the, the tower itself, so before lifting a single steel beam engineers drove 980 foundation piles into the ground as deep as 282 feet now the reason they did that is they weren't on strong bedrock here Uh, they were on something that was very clay heavy soil and so it's 282 feet down 980 foundation piles and then they poured get this 2.15 million cubic feet of reinforced concrete to create a 20-foot-thick foundation mat. Now, I want you to just think about this for a moment. What if the engineers and the developers decided, you know what, that's pretty good. I mean, that's impressive. 980 piles down, 282 feet, 2.15 million cubic feet of cement like that's a thing of beauty and then they moved on to the next project like that would be such a waste because the foundation is all about creating the potential for the superstructure like the whole point is the tower the whole point is the superstructure that's going to be put on top of it but here's what happens friends So often Christian believers will come to Jesus, and especially in this culture that we live in right now where we don't have maybe the needs that people have in different areas of the world or even different times in this world. And so often what we'll do is we'll lay the foundation. We'll lay this beautiful foundation of understanding salvation, understanding the foundations of uh, Christian life, and, and uh, what Jesus did and what the church is all about. And, but then we just stay there. And we go, oh, look at this beautiful foundation. And then we just get caught up with living our own lives. And here's the deal, friends. The potential of that foundation is put there so God can build his kingdom upon your life. And upon my life. That's the point. And here's what happens. If we just leave it to the foundation. Over time. We can become broken. And cynical. And jaded. When it comes to the things of faith. And the things of living for Christ. We can become quickly bitter. And hard hearted. Shaking our fists at the heavens because we stalled out at the foundations and we haven't allowed the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, to build his kingdom upon the foundation he's laid in our lives. And the writer of Hebrews is like, guys, don't let that happen. If you're not progressing, you're regressing. If you just laid a foundation, You leave the potential. You leave the things of the kingdom out of your lives. And the potential is you become hard-hearted and jaded and cynical. And in that moment, you can walk away from faith entirely. But there's hope, guys. There's hope. There's always hope. This isn't a passage that's meant to get you down. It's not meant to, to bring you to an immovable moment in your journey. It's meant to spur you into something new. And and the writer of Hebrews goes on in verse 9 and says, Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises just catch catch that for a moment catch that encouragement for a moment there's always hope. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. Hey, friends, I feel sure of better things. In fact, this season and this moment that we find ourselves in, with all of the brokenness around us, with all of the anger and the angst and the pain and the, this side and that side, and friends, if we will lean into Jesus and begin to build on the foundations that he has laid. Those found, those doctrinal foundations that are more than just knowledge. It is a knowing of our identity. And who we are and what he's laid in our lives. And we begin to build from there. There's such hope for the church of Jesus Christ. In this moment and in this time. But it's going to take faith. And as he said in verse uh, 12. It's going to take faith. Patience. Faith and patience. What an interesting combination. So friends, I encourage you. Allow the Spirit of God to begin to build the structures of the kingdom upon the foundations that He's laid in your life and in the lives of your family. And let faith, that gift of faith, grow. And may patience Be a part of your story as he builds what only he can build using your life to do it. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be together, even though it may be digitally. God, would you inspire us? Lord, not not to be depressed about this. Um, For some of us, maybe this is a moment of just taking stock and, and thinking about some things in our lives and some priority pieces. But God, I pray that this tension moment in Hebrews, by your spirit, would not lead us to despair, but rather it would lead us to hope, to to the understanding. May we get a glimpse and a picture of the potential of the things that can be built on the foundations of faith that you've laid in each and every one of our lives. So Lord, we pray that you would do what only you can do, that Lord, you would give us faith to believe, eyes to see ears to hear what the spirit is doing and Lord that you would give us patience because as he alludes in this passage, this is a journey of a lifetime. This is a journey of progressing day by day by day, sometimes in the routine and the normality, but Lord, may it build towards something. May our lives be a linear build towards that goal of the upper call of Christ Jesus. May we run our race in such a way that we build things of kingdom partnered with you on the foundations you've laid in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name and we thank you for them, amen, amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us. Just a reminder, if you are considering being part of our Wheat Lunch team, again, myevangel.church forward slash relaunch we would love to have you part of the team we're so excited about what's to come if you are looking at the summer months and just know we've already said it but things are going to look different so don't expect to come back to church and things will be the same it's not there's going to be a whole bunch of things kind of what would we call them almost like barriers to entry it's going to be a little weird It's going to be a little weird. So we just want to give you fair warning on that. But we believe in this season, even in the weird, even in the protocols, God can do some special stuff in his church and in his people so we can be empowered to be out there doing um, his kingdom work. Also, if this is adding value to your life and if you are Evangel like regular um, or if you are online with us and this has added value to your journey of faith, would you consider uh, giving and supporting the work of this ministry? You can do that at myevangel.church forward give. If you need just someone to talk to or you need to walk, you know, some things out uh, this week, you're more than welcome to call us. Our number is going to be right here on the screen. Or if you have prayer requests, throw them in at myevangel.church forward slash prayer. myevangel.church forward slash prayer. And those will go out to our pastoral staff and we will be praying for you. So guys, thank you for joining us today. God bless you. Have a great week.